Hello, welcome to the Unsworn Game. I'm your host, Rob. Welcome to another Faction Reaction. Today, we're talking Blades of Corn, and I'm joined by my good friend and a pillar of the Australian community, Gammy. Hello, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. I am good. How are oh, you? great. And I can see Gabe's in the chat, ready to drop all the A's. Uh, right on uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's been very keen. Very keen. This <laughs> Too king, in fact. <laughs> uh, so, Blades of Court are going to be a super interesting faction uh, to talk about in third mm. edition. But before we do that, how are you? Are you well? What's going on where you are? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, at the moment, going into a bit of a snap three-day lockdown. So, we had six cases, which is a lot for Australia, particularly in Queensland. So, we've decided three-day lockdown. So, that's plenty of time for hammers. I'll be able to keep painting some stuff. But apart from that, everything's been kind of really good. What are so, you painting? Yeah. I'm currently re-highlighting all of my Blood Reavers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a good idea at the time. But yeah, as soon as I started this afternoon, I went, oh, can I do this for three days? Probably not. Just paint Sylvaneth or something, paint some trees. I, don't know. I think anyone who like at the start of this was like, all right, yeah, I'll listen to this guy, see what he's on about with corn. And then as soon as you've said, I'm re-highlighting my Blood Reavers, there's a whole bunch of corn guys like, right, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This guy's committed. <laughs> this guy's game. committed as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the only way. It's the only way forward, mate. It's the only way forward. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about let's talk about corn, shall we? Um, and let's talk about yeah, them in uh, the last edition. So you played them a lot in the last edition. Yeah, I actually started playing him in AOS one. So towards the end of AOS one, I picked him up. I thought, you know, what's better than running six skull crushes? How about twenty one? So I was pushing twenty one round in brass stampede when it was a thing and yeah so played it all through two as well kind of chopped and changed played around with mortals i think mortals was kind of more my my thing with corn um i remember there was an episode you did with dan a few months ago i think on a monday night one of the monday night aos shows where that he was talking about how mortal chaos is way cooler than demons chaos and i was 100 percent in my car driving from school fist pumping in the air going, yes, let's do it. So yeah, that one, doing yeah. these ones in the car, not to, you know, not dancing along to any music, just dance <laughs> along to Honest Wargamer on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's it. And Dan, and Dan. But yeah, so I played them through AOS 2 um, and yeah, a little bit on and off, but it's actually coming up to my eighth tournament, which is very themey mm. with running eight, eighth so it should be good. Well, it better be a win. Otherwise, um, I'll just burn the whole book in the army <laughs> on YouTube. Perfect. Yeah. That's it. After re-highlighting yeah. it, that works really well. That's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the eighth tournament you have coming up? What's it called? Uh, it is going to be Toowoomba. So the Toowoomba Ooh, GT. Nice. So uh, Gary and the, the Failed Charge crew are going to be running that one at the end of August. So I'll be running corn for that one. So it should be a good one. Nice two-day. Uh, be a good time. Bit of a dream of mine, actually, go to Toowoomba. Yeah. Uh, having met the Failed Charge guys mm. uh, before CanCon a couple of years ago and knowing that they're all from Toowoomba, mm. it's now been... It's kind of on my list of places, which it's just like, I don't know why, uh, but obviously I'd like to get over to Brizhammer as well. And obviously the Runex Team Championships is on the cards in... It is end of the year, year November. Yeah. So that that should be a good time. Um, I actually don't have a ticket to that because Gabe's jerk and won't give us one. So he sold out too quickly, but that's Classic. right. Just put it out yeah. there. 
on the on the internet now. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just the truth. Let's be honest. Uh, the- you know, and a huge racist, <laughs> old Gabe. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, uh, thank you very much, Hamspad, for donating 100 bits. Uh, okay, so talk to me about Corn uh, in AOS 2. Like, um, like yeah. how did they play? What worked well? Yeah, uh, they're a bit of a mixed results, mixed bag. Um, as I was writing my notes for this one, I always thought, what? how do you explain Corn to someone who doesn't understand them or, you know, someone who's new to them? Um, I actually had a really interesting game last week in a AOS 3 event and I played Seraphon last game. Uh, absolutely pumped me. I, I was kind of sitting there, cracked the sads halfway through. Uh, but, you know, did it the Cornway sort of thing. So I kept saying blood tithe every time he removed one of my units. Um, but essentially he said at the end of the game, he said, so what, you know, how do corn work? What are they meant to do? And I was like, not what you just saw. They're meant to do some cool stuff. Um, but essentially AOS 2, I'd say the successful lists were definitely your bloodthirster spam sort of thing in Tyrants of Blood, Reapers of Vengeance, you know, piling in six, double piling in when you need to. Uh, then Wrath of the Everchosen came out where you could uh, run and charge with some Bloodthirsters. I think you could run an extra Bloodthirster as well, which was pretty wild. Um, so I think that was probably your most successful list when it came to Corn. We saw those, you know, particularly throughout uh, throughout AOS 2. Um, then obviously early AOS 2 for the mortal side of things, Gore Pilgrims. So shout out to my boy Pat Nevin down, down south in uh, Bendigo. He used to rock the old Gore Pilgrims. And um, I would say that was probably the successful mortals list um and yeah i i ran brass stampede successfully at times mostly unsuccessfully but yeah they're they're interesting list interesting interesting army to play throughout yeah so like 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 it's being said in the chat like bobbin big shout out to bobbin by the way uh says only army that cheers for losing units uh is one of those things true very true absolutely yeah, really gets in your opponent's head when you say blood tithe and put a token on the table and they, you know, you try and explain blood tithe at the start of the game. They think it's just for summoning. Then nah, it's it's all about playing the playing some extra special rules that you get with blood tithe, which is a good time. Yeah, so just for people who aren't aware at home because they might not have played corn before, might be the first time you've interacted mm. with the show. So you can listen to this as a podcast, just like mm. let you guys know. Um, uh, how does the blood tithe work specifically? Yeah, so if you have a unit removed, uh, it's either any of your units, so even if you've got allies in the army, or if you have your opponent's unit completely removed, and that includes in Battleshock as well, uh, you receive a Blood Tithe token, and you're able to use that for either summoning. Um, most Chaos armies have some kind of summoning mechanics, so in Zinch, it's your, your um, dis- not discipline points, what are they called? The points you get for summoning the spell casting ones. Oh, fate points for Zinch. Pretty cool. Yeah, that one fate points. Yep, and then you've got Nurgle. They do their their thing as well. Corn has that, but what they actually do it doubles as another thing as well. So you can have one blood tithe gives you a CP, which I think is pretty good for oh, yeah, AOS three, which we'll talk about a little That's bit great. later. Um, two auto dispel spell as well. Um, really powerful when you come up against you know a Teclas who's trying to get a particular spell off with his. Uh, I cast it on a 10 sort of thing. Uh, three, which you can move a unit, um, which I or charge if you're within 12, which I think is a fantastic ability as well. Four is pile in, and this is both in your hero phase or the opponent's. Um, and then the rest kind of not worth talking about. <laughs> oh, well, at, yeah. least, at least, at least <laughs> so the good ones worth talking about are cheap. Correct. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's very true, very true. So that's what you get. Blood tithe, it's a good time. Um, as said, really gets in your opponent's head when you start saying blood tithe 
some kind of joy out of losing units and and taking your units away from your opponent as well. It's a great time. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I think I think it's quite interesting that when like it's not really a summoning mechanic like some of the other stuff that you have more utility mm. from it, which <laughs> which really when you work backwards from the book, it's a thinking man's army, uh, which is which oh, is yeah. <laughs> which is a weird thing because it's not really designed and or portrayed as a thinking man's army. Not at all. Not even in the slightest. No. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's it's like that scene from uh, Conan where you know you ask what's what's best in life, and you just say you know, seeing your enemies driven before you, hearing the lamentation of the women. It's basically everything that we're we're about. In but it's corn. not really. It's like it would Very be like lame. a flip around. It'd be like, hey, what's best in life? And then a guy just sits slowly at a yeah. desk and opens a spreadsheet, and he goes, well, let me tell you, <laughs> if I kill these two units, I'm going to get some blood tithe, right? <laughs> and then, Conan's yeah, like starts doing that Conan, crazy thing on the yeah, just Conan's like what the just fuck? drawing like pins everywhere. So. <laughs> it's like I I'm, not, I'm not signing up for this at all. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. So, like, so having looked at the stats a lot uh, for AOS two, Corn um, was mm. in a very interesting place. Like you talked about, some of the archetypical lists that work quite well were Tyrants of Blood, Bloodthirsters, but even then they did fine they didn't do great they weren't mm. stompy and in fact they mm. were generally with a sub 50 percent win rate uh, so they were in the the lower end of the kind of like uh, fat middle uh, they generally floated towards 45 46 mm. percent um and then there was there mm. was i mean someone said in the chat earlier and i think it was uh, the hilarious kniggit he said oh so corn that's just the red archeon build isn't it um <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Very true. Okay, and he pumps. He pumps in corn. It's a good time. I've been trying to avoid him. Um, he's he's actually in my show notes as avoid Archeon talking about him because that's where you're just going to get caught up because he is pretty fantastic right now. Also fantastic in AOS two as well. Um, probably one of the better builds to run him in is Reapers of Vengeance with the demons keyword. He's demon and mortal, so he was getting lots of bonuses. Uh, yeah, he was great in AOS too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, th those are the ones that you kind of talked about. And I mean, which is interesting because Corn had some very dominant time, like you said, in AOS one and the beginning of AOS two, like midway through, and then their new book. Mm. I don't really think really brought a lot, and it also giga nerfed everything. Um, all right, let's talk mm. about uh, let's talk about Age of Sigma three and your your thoughts and, and yeah. where you're at with that. Yeah, talk, talk to me. Yeah. Um uh, pretty much like every one of your guests that have been doing a faction reaction, absolutely love AOS 3. Um, I have played about 10 games now of AOS 3, and every single one has been an absolute joy to play. Even the Seraphon one that I was talking about before where I got pumped, uh, I still was able to play for some secondaries, gather some points. It wasn't one of those feels-bad games where you sit and watch your opponent take all of the objectives and have a great time. Um, so I love the interaction between all the phases. Um, for me, the uh, I'll talk about this in a bit, but corn in AOS 3, uh, I would say the redeploy is probably one that can be good for us, but also terrible for us as well, because really our damage is in combat. And so moving further away from us making charges is a lot more difficult. Uh, but I actually quite like that your opponent gets to play some sort of their own game whilst you're t going through your turn. Because sometimes if you come up against a Lumineth player and they take 72 minutes to do their hero phase and, and you're sitting there watching it all unfold and basically losing every character, it's a great time. Um, but I think with AOS 3, that's what I really enjoy. There's other thing I wrote down was scoring as well. I actually love the way that scoring's done in in a lot okay. of the missions. Um, with the, you know, hold one, hold two, hold more. 
uh, and then obviously trying to get your secondaries. I, I really enjoy that as a as a mechanic, um, as I said, because it means that your game is always close. Even your turn three take away an objective. You've you know it's a lot of lot to play for pretty much the entire time, which I love. So you know you could. It, essentially, that's that's what I enjoy so far about OS three. Yeah, it generally the because of the battle tactics and the scoring, you generally don't get, tend to get like mm. runaway points between the two, right? You don't, you don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like there doesn't tend to be like as much of a runaway. And I was just I was just talking uh, this morning about this, and it, it feels like um, now this is obviously I've been doing these faction reactions over a couple of weeks now, um, and mm. so mm. it feels like at the moment that going first is really good getting on those primaries because really what they've done is they've mm. added to age of sigma 2 where you would score primaries and you still do that now so there's still that kind of meta mm. tabletop board control game and now there's the battle tactics that he's trying to do on top of as well um so i yeah like mm. i'm with you i think i think that's a huge positive um go on, mm. what you can say yeah, yeah. So um, the other thing that I said that I actually really like that they've taken away is rerolls from the games for the majority. I, I think um, the majority of things have been reduced to either a plus one save or a plus one hit instead of reroll ones in in the saves or reroll saves in general, um, which I think slowed the game down in AOS two. Um, and it was probably one of those things where eventually, as each book seemed to come out, more rerolls were coming into the games that kind of felt. You know, if you were playing an older book, you felt that distance um, between the, the two books a, a lot more as someone, you know, who's playing Blades of Corn, which is not an old book, but it is sort it's of... getting there. It, it's feeling a bit yeah. outdated. Yeah, it's, it's feeling a bit outdated now. So uh, I think taking away that sort of thing um, with the rerolls, is slow, you know, has quickened the game. Um, obviously, everyone's still trying to learn all the rules. So uh, at the moment, a lot of people talk about you know, bookkeeping and that sort of thing. But I, I think as we learn the game, that will become something that disappears and we'll see our games becoming a lot faster. Because um, last week, the event that I went to, uh, the the guy running it said, you know, we've extended the round times because we're hoping to get through five turns. If you get to get, you know, turn three, uh, you've got to make a decision if we play through the whole game. And I thought, wow, you know, is that a problem? And because every game of, of AOS 3 I've played so far, I've got through five turns. Maybe it's because I'm playing an army that dies really quickly. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's that sort of thing I'm really enjoying about AOS 3. It's it's such a fantastic game. It, it hey, really great is. News, great news. I mean, great for everyone out there as well. Like, uh, I, I think there's still, there's still internal parity and external parity issues. So units inside books aren't as good as other units inside books, and some books are stronger than other mm -hmm. books um uh like but that's been true for always but like uh, yeah i think i think uh, and again i see smog in the chat and i was just speaking to him minutes ago um and yeah they've just done a good job uh generally um mm. with kind of like uh, mm. how you play and what like the good strategies are so i'm a huge fan mm. um okay so mm. how do the boys who've got no shooting uh stack up like let talk to me about corn winners and losers yeah. like you can give me some high level yeah. stuff first or where do you want to go yeah, I, I was thinking of doing some um, units that, that lost to start off okay. with. So, you know, strengths and weaknesses in general of the army and then um, talk a little bit about the units that lost because I feel I actually didn't write that many down. I went through the book page for page and I actually didn't write that many down for losers. So that'll okay. be interesting to see what the chat thinks of this because um, I think I may be just too much of a silver linings, optimistic kind of guy, you know. 
looking into the sun and enjoying it rather than my eyes burning off. Sort well, of thing. I, to, I like, to, be, to be honest, like, I think it was, um, I mean, when we talked to Math Mallow about Sylvaneth, his was all confidence. And he was like, well, mm. it can't get much worse. Mm. So I feel like it's an upward trend because like, <laughs> like, so I, like, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Um, so as he pointed out shooting, um, it is always been Corn's biggest problem mm-hmm. is shooting. Um, mainly because obviously if you're, you're playing against a shooting army, they're, they're getting their damage out before you have any chance of getting anything in for, as a Corn mm-hmm. player. Um, in line with that, I actually said that movement was a bit of a problem for Corn as well, which is surprising for a combat yep. army. Um, Really, at the end of the day, I, I've, I play Daughters of Cain, so I enjoy running and charging and having all these bonuses to run and charge and doing all these great things and getting the speed and being able to get into combat and feeling confident about it. Then I go to Corn, and I can put one unit run and charge for a CP you know, within Gortide, or I can have pile in six so try and get the runoff with you know an archaeon doing that sort of thing which we saw in aos 2 it's one of those things where movement I'd, I'd say is a problem at the moment the board sizes have gotten smaller so that was a, a positive for for corn as well um but realistically getting across the table is a bit of a problem for us um and the other thing i said was sub factions is a problem for corn um i this is where we start to see the age of the book come okay. through is you, you kind of see two builds. It's Reaper's Vengeance for Demons or it's Gortide for, for mortals. Um, and, and that comes down to Reaper's Vengeance getting an opportunity to um, pile in twice with CP, uh, which that's where you saw the Bloodthirsters. I still think that's a great build for AOS 3. Um, Gortide is your reroll ones to wound if you're wholly within 12 and an objective for mortal units, and then obviously plus one damage for the command ability. Oh, sorry, command trait and command ability is the you spend a CP, you run six, and then you can charge with a unit of blood warriors or blood reavers. So it's not any unit within Gortide, so it's a little bit more restrictive. That's where I think we see that sort of age of those sorts of sub factions come in, and I think. When we look at the losers side of things for for corn, um, taking away the battalions um, took away the flavour of the army. I feel so. I, I think the we look at gore, gore pilgrims, for example, all built around your your core heroes, extra range on the the um, blood secretor. You're getting you know extra attacks off because it's all about overlapping buffs. That's one of our strengths. Um, but really, you, you look at those sorts of things like a. You know, taking away tyrants of blood so you can't pile in you know multiple times with blood thirsters, which was nuts to start off with but it was a strength within the army um so yeah i think sub factions is probably a bit of a weakness for us um strengths at the time of aos2 was definitely slaughter priests um slaughter priests were 100 points and could do three three prayers they were absolutely ridiculous it was a great time um you know blood boil something that you didn't have to see D6 Mortal Wounds, it was nuts. Uh, Get Out Your Evocations, which were great as well. So, um, you know, at the time they were called Endless Prayers. Um, You know, all these sorts of things that it it was really good. And the overlapping, um, you know, abilities 
that aren't command traits or command abilities as well, I think is great for corn. Um, so I actually think that's one of our okay. strengths. But if we say losers, so we go into a losers side yep. of category, because as I said, I like to finish on a height. It's a teacher within me. We call it the uh, feedback sandwich, Rob. So if you want to ever use that, you start with a positive, have a criticism, end with a positive. See, it's all about feeling yeah, good. That's what I do all the time. And if I actually think people look like, right. people always say to me, Rob, you look really tired today and i'm like yeah. okay that's nice yeah and they're like but not as tired as yesterday and i'm like i don't know is that is that yeah yeah yep is that a good thing is that a backhanded compliment i don't know yeah <laughs> do i feel good about myself right now probably not um all right well let's do some losers let's i'm gonna throw this one out okay. to you rob and i'm also gonna throw it out to the chat as well do you think slaughter priests are the losers of aos3 I think yes like like you said like the the when I would talk about corn, it felt like the the slaughter priests were just doing a lot of work uh, for corn, mm-hmm. and then I was like, "What else is doing work mm. in that book? Like, what the hell?" Mm. So mm. I would say, overall of AOS three, they feel like the biggest losers. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, and and I think um, <laughs> I said it in the podcast that I got with Kate at the moment, which we've started for the last couple of months. I the initial shout stage out the podcast. What's the podcast called? So um, people can go listen to it. Uh, Runax Radio. Yep, had to think about that for a go. second. I am on the Runax Radio. It in the show notes. For um, <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I actually said in one of the episodes that when AOS three first came out and the FAQ came out for for corn. Um, the Facebook page I actually left for corn. I couldn't be a part of it anymore. It was just too salty. The salt mines were very full that day, my friend. They were they were going nuts. And I just kind of went, you know what? I need a bit of space from this so I can read the book, work this out. Is it actually a problem? Slaughter Priests, I think, are a loser on what they were. But realistically, they were doing way too much heavy lifting for 100 points. They, you know, we spoke about hag queens being ridiculous for the points that they were and handing out all these buffs. And, you know, they, they were still quite ridiculous, don't get me wrong. But Slaughter Priest also essentially did the same thing. Corn um, unfortunately, has four plus on their prayers opposed to, you know, a two plus or a three plus that everyone else seems to get. Um, so that was always a, you know, a gripe that Corn players had. Um, so I kind of think... The, this is where I had to weigh up. Are they a winner or a loser? Yes, they've lost because they can only do one prayer now. Um, but what they gained as well was the ability to snipe out other pr- priests from a distance with smite, which I think is pretty yep. great. Another thing which I think is fantastic for corn is the bless prayer as well, which is universal prayer that you get. So instead of a mystic shield of plus one save, we get a six up ward save as part of, you know, a unit holy within 12. Um, I, I think that's fantastic. If, you know, an army like corn that has pretty good armor, it's okay. Um, you do want that extra save against mortal wounds and, and damage as well coming out. So I actually think it's, it's quite a bonus. Um, so slaughter priest for me, they are a loser on what they were, but they're also a bit of a winner in that they've gained some extra mm. prayers, um, and they went up by ten points. So you know, ten percent, which I know when you were talking to my boy Jacob Berry, uh, he was talking about percentages instead of points, and I, I thought that was a really good way to look at it as a way of saying if you've got a percentage increase and it's more than ten percent, you can kind of see yourself as a bit mm. of a loser, um, whereas ten percent was kind of the average increase across the table and and i think that's that was really nice for slaughter priest because i think a lot of people were expecting a big hike um because they were doing so much heavy lifting before but yeah so slaughter priest 
an interesting uh, one. They, they also got um, access to uh, Curse, right? Which they, surely that's they a, like that puts them like closer to a win, like um, because your army can kick out a lot of attacks. It can, yeah. And getting that that mortal wound off, um, and I think you've spoken about it in another faction reaction before. But for anyone who's just interested in corn and only came along to this one, um, essentially you can curse a unit within nine, and it's quite a short range. Um, but essentially, what you get is every six that you hit is a mortal wound, um, in addition to the damage that you do as well, which I, th I think was pretty great. So, um, mortal wound output is um, Tim McDivitt, one of my good friends in Brisbane who we call the doctor. He's a fantastic player. Uh, spoke about AOS three when it first came out and said, you know, you've got to look for high rent and mortal wound output to be able to compete in AOS three, because there's a lot of two plus armor coming into the game and, and a lot of, you know, high armor value that you want to try and get through with mortal wounds. Cause a lot of people don't have a mortal wound save against things. So that's where I think priests do have a lot more play now. Um, it just means we're not getting the utility out of them that we did before, which I think is a fair point, really, at the end of the day. I played Daughters of Cain when they came out and was only one prayer, and I was fully expecting for it to happen with Corn. Um, and you just get used to playing with one prayer, really, at the yeah. end of the day. Get good. That's what I would say. Yeah, get <laughs> That's good. fair. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Um, the other losers, uh, I've just said is the fact that we don't have battalions anymore and the flavor's yeah, gone. That's, that's huge. really what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I think that in itself, hopefully in a new book in the future, um, will be seen through the sub factions, which, you know, we see some great sub factions come out of the new books. Um, and I'm hoping that what we've lost in the battalions, we gain in some kind of sub faction abilities, which would be great to see. Just yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm with day. you. I think it is an older one, and, and I think you're right. And I think, like, I mean, even in the modern books, you you go between everything you get out of a Lumineth and then everything you don't get out of a Sinesh book, and then you know, yep. like, and they are like it's chalk and cheese. Like I said it before, Sinimbin, and yep. uh, hopefully, like we we yep. get a little bit more parity because I think the sub factions are the most exciting way to open up a book. Where, like I said earlier on in the show, mm. the internal parity of books can sometimes be quite quite severe some units are just hot trash compared to the other stuff inside of the book but i really think sub factions for a way to push up and push down different ones um and it would be fun to see them understand that and explore that more and i think corner's got one of those mm. opportunities because there's so much there's such, it's such a big range really it is yeah and, and that's where i think you look at you know if someone was new coming into corn you know in aos2 you could you could build a full beast of chaos army run them in market corn and then actually run them out of blades of corn um so you know you could see blades of corn come into your state stat center and i'll be watching it i'm saying well is that actually a is it a slaves to darkness corn army is it a beast of chaos army is it purely bloodbound is it all demons because blades of corn kind of covers a fair amount of yes. stuff i think um and sometimes people coming into it could kind of say well i, I don't know what they're actually playing well with and and that in itself was a bit of a challenge and i i think you're right though is that if we could see in the sub factions a little bit more um flavor to to play on the the range that we have i think that'd be really great it'd be an awesome thing to see mm. good 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 okay so we've done the we've done the center filling that's the bad sandwich uh yeah yep. the yep. coronation chicken yep. uh center <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's make it vegetarian for you, Rob. So let's let's go. Hummus, um, hummus, know, hummus sandwich. You remember hummus, hummus sandwich? It's <laughs> fucking terrible. Like I like hummus and I like bread. Yeah. But it's almost like hummus sandwich. I'm like, no. Yeah. 
no thanks. Like put some falafel in them. Do something nice, you know. Get, get some Middle Eastern flavors would be good. Uh, all right. Well, let's go to some yeah. positives. Um, skull crushes. Okay. For me, uh, they were a really interesting reaction initially from um, everyone with the um, coherence coherency rules. Sorry, I just had a stroke. Um, coherency yep. rules. So it's obviously once you get above five models, uh, you've got to have um, you know models within two of another um so a lot of people were playing around I, i'm not sure if it was on facebook or twitter but people were putting up you know examples of how would you put a monstrous cavalry unit of six models on the table to be able to kick them with coherency yep. and um that in itself was something that i think you know once you lose one you're just able to do whatever you like because you go to five models anyway so i think a lot of people are overthinking the the six model situation a lot of um iron jaws players kind of went with it i know um hayden walker's been running a few iron jaws you know the pigs uh he's got some units of six and i've seen them in action and they actually still work just as well um the biggest thing for skull crushers is they are five wound models um on a three up save and and i think in aos3 that's what you're really looking for because five five wound models now count as two um and a three up save they've got a champion so they can pop a CP, go to a two plus save, and that that in itself, after playing it for a very long time, a two plus save is very survivable, very very survivable. It's um, a lot of wounds as well for yes, not, for, for not a lot of points. Oh, and and that's the thing, 170 points for three. Um, so if you go for a unit of six, uh, what the other great thing about skull crushes is, is that when they charge, they also do mortal wounds on charge as well. If they have a unit of six, it's D3 mortal wounds for each in the unit so um within an inch so if you set it up well enough you can have 43 mortal wounds going in before you even get to pile in an attack uh, so that solves screens issues it also allows you to play with the blood tide so if you use three blood tide to charge in your opponent's hero phase you can actually clear out you know something can watch them panic a little bit because their plans will go go awry so um yeah i actually think skull crushers are uh, a, a winner i would say that i'm very biased in that though because i have 21 of the big guys sitting on a shelf so you know <laughs> got to try and make them work somehow but I, I think when you look at the amount of attacks they dish out as well they get six attacks if they're near a blood crater wrathmongers they can go to eight attacks each um you know it, at the end of the day with the lack of rerolls coming into the uh, into the game now hit them with you know 24 attacks from six guys you know even more than that 36 attacks from six guys threes and threes you, you're going to do some damage through on even a two plus save because you know it's weight of dice sort of thing at the end of the yeah, day it's a lot so, of attacks uh got right. a question in the chat uh, because of course you can make the battle line do you think it's worth making them battle line yes no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no unless you want to unless you want to build into that you can um and, and i don't see an issue with having your um Lord, Lord on corn on Juggernaut. The problem is, as a general, problem is, is he is he's eight wounds, so he's not bad on a three up save. So he might stay around for a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, if you want to run into it, that's where you start playing around. I've, I've played with, around a list with twenty one, trying to fit them in as battle line. Um, it ended up being two units of six and three of uh, three of three, I think, in the, at the yep. end of the day. And then you just don't have points for anything else. So you know, it's it's that sort of thing. If you can go min min battle line, if you want with them. Um, try and play around with that but um, they're they're one of those ones at the moment I'm playing around with them and Skull Reapers as my mortal wound output to see what I prefer so as I said I'm more a mortal player so um, that that's where I'm looking at the moment but yeah so Skull Crushers they're my first on the list of okay. winners 
second, Thirsters, Bloodthirsters. Okay. Um, they are monster characters. So I, I know in other episodes, being talking about, you know, monsters as opposed to monster characters. Good thing about Corn is I think we've got access to uh, Slaughter yep. Brutes and uh, what are the cool 40K models called that no one ever oh. sees? They have like a it's flame cannon. Fortune, but I know uh, what you mean. Um, Despoiler, Defiler, something like that. It's like a Defiler, but yeah. anyway, Slaughter yeah. something. Yeah, that thing. Um, so that's our access to normal monsters, but I think that Bloodthirsters have um, really come off well in this edition. Um, I never ran one in AOS 2, and currently one does not leave my list at all. So it's usually where I start as my general, um, which I'll talk through the list later, but uh, I think Bloodthirsters are great for the ability to hand out plus one. I think Corn um, before, the only way you could get plus one to hit was through... Uh, certain sub-factions from Wrath of the Everchosen um, and also through your Slaughter Priests of giving Killing Frenzy out. Um, so it'd be one and it'd be on a four-up, so it wasn't very reliable. So I think now just having that as a CP ability is fantastic. You've got the monster chart. Um, you've got heals. There's, there's a lot to it, which uh, you know other people have spoken about in other episodes. But I think Bloodthirsters are a big winner in, in my books. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, because like, like they previously would die quite a bit um uh like but your your ability to make them more survivable now is is pretty high which i think is really interesting mm. like and like is it also the uh commandability the realm commandability to be able to fight at the top bracket is that like one of those really positive things it is yeah it's one of those ones where um i've been running a wrath of um corn um so bloodthirst which is the big guy with the big axe, so he's the you know the boom Bootfester, yeah. So he hits on fours, which uh, was always a problem. It was always a problem for them. Um, you know, six attacks. Their scale is great, so they actually don't scale as badly. I think after six wounds, they drop to five attacks. Like, okay. it's just so they're like seconds, it goes five, then five, then three, three. It's a very weird scaling. I don't understand why they do it. I think it's the mortal wounds. Splash damage is what actually scales down. Um, but hitting on fours was a problem because you come up against those bloody nets in, in goblins and they make you hit on fives and you sit there and like this giant, you know, I think you said it with Vince. I was just listening to the episode before where he said, you know, this master of, you know, war comes in and, you know, a net gets thrown on his head and he can't see anything and, and misses wildly. So, you know, um, having that ability to, you know, give yourself plus one to hit, I think is fantastic. Um because corn demons themselves, they they give themselves reroll ones to hit. Um, so again, as I said, the reroll ones have been taken away from a lot of armies, um, but corn still has that in some capacity, particularly in demons, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, bloodthirsters are a big win for me. You can still run them in skull uh, in Reaper's Vengeance, so they compile in twice. Um, so doing that with a boom thirst is always a good good time as well, or an Archaeon if you Would want. Would you so. run multiple bloodthirsters? Like, do you think there's like a meme build where it's all boom thirsters, or do you think like it's just the one to try and protect it? Um, I think they have they they do have some good interplay with each other. So there's one with a whip who makes you pile in six. There's another one who you know hands out extra attacks. I think, and there's another one that obviously the. Um, the D Thurster, the Boom Thurster gives out reroll charges to as a bubble, so you can have that kind of rolling in. It's then becomes pretty CP thirsty though. So I, I don't know if you want to build too much into it unless you can the other problem with corn is you don't have CP generation. So a lot of the newer armies, um, you know, have played bone splitters for a long time. They get CP on a four plus if you've got a Wurgle Profit. Seraphon gets CP from just 
showing up and having a good time. <laughs> they do. Um, they do. You know, it's, you know, <laughs> they just pick pick their star or whatever it is and they just get CP. It's a good time. Um, <laughs> I, I keep bringing them up. They're a real sore point for me, Rob. So <laughs> That's okay. Just, I think know, they're a big sore point for so a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> apart from, yeah, apart, from, apart from some skink priest role players who are just having the best time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, got giant eyeballs everywhere, just <laughs> googly eyes. It's a good time. Um, yeah, so there, I think this is a, I, I wouldn't lean into them too much. Um, you know, I would look at Scarbrand potentially as well. He, he's not bad. Um, I actually put potentially down units that lost were the named characters because they don't get access to universal artifacts like the five plus after save because I think that's a really valuable thing for for bloodthirsters as well because as he said survivability is not their forte um but being able to hand out a plus one save and an after save is great for him as well which i mean is, that's which huge really actually on the bloodthirsters so, yeah. i hadn't thought about that the, the the amulet of destiny for the five up because then yeah that plus the shield makes them makes them like a stonehorn level of survivability which like you know that's fantastic yeah. they've never had the, the ability to be so so safe and also i assume they're bravery 10 so heroic recovery is going to work on them pretty well they as well. Are. yeah yeah yeah, and it's yeah, it's very rare that you're not getting a heal off on them with the heroic recovery. Um, greatest day ever, also a good thing is for them as well because they just go around and you know get plus one save and plus one wound on you know boom thirst is not great because they wound on twos anyway. But um, you know it, it's it's not not a bad call to do that with mm. them as well. Um, so yeah, I think thirst is you know I, I I wanted to say that they didn't you know, start getting that build back. But I know there are a lot of corn players out there with a lot of bloodthirsters and they weren't sure what to do with them once Tyrants of Blood was gone. Um, I think they've got great play in Reapers. I think they've got great play in the Wrath of the Everchosen um, sub-faction as well where they can run and charge. Because as I said, uh, not having your, your access to that widely i think is a is a very good thing so yeah, yeah they, 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 they effectively way. did better than like um a stonehorn really because the stonehorn like stonehorn or a vermilord weren't already had the five up ward on them they already mm. had that available mm. to them so you can't take any advantage of this artifact uh which is why i think when, mm. when when we talked to Stuart about it he was like oh look the huskard uh this is a sweet on him because he's minus one to hit and now you can do that so actually hadn't thought about that like the increased survivability as well as the commandability actually you know you've got survivability plus output more likely for those guys that's, that's pretty big yeah it is it is and, and i think that's what's cool about him is that um yeah, I, I'm using one at the moment, and I find that's more than enough. Um, mainly for the, that's where it's a it's a little bit of a double edged sword because you do lose points um, if your monsters die. You're only getting one five up save because um, you, you you know you're not doubling down on those those artifacts, and so what you're getting is one D thirster surviving or one blood thirster surviving if you want to roll with mm. the other ones. Uh, but every one that you do lose because they are quite easy mm. to kill. Um, so everyone that you do lose is an extra point that you're also giving out to your opponent as well. So, you know, in this particular edition in Gur, I think that's something to consider as well for those people wanting to lean into it. But, have you yeah. blasphemed and made one of them a wizard yet? Uh, no, I have not. Um, I'm, I'm too much of a purist, Rob. So that's why you'll see my list later. There, uh, yeah, I'm too much of a purist. It's, it's someone's the, gonna do though. Someone's gonna do and say so this is my a, this is my yeah, wizard bloodthirster. Yeah. So someone's gonna be like, no, no. Uh, it just you'll just hear the corn player in the background just screaming. Yeah, just, just, just one of them in the corner screams and faints. <laughs> 
<laughs> Actually, I want to do that now just to see what the you know people's reactions would <laughs> be great. I'd love, I'd love. It. Uh, awesome. Um, my next winner, just because as you know, as I said, I think there's play for everything yeah. in corn. Um, so I don't want to go through every single unit because we'd be here all night. But or day for you guys. But uh, Kaon, um, can't go can't. past him. He he really is. You know, he's just as good as he was in AOS two. Um, even better now because he's got access to everything we've just spoken about. Um, and in corn, you have a lot of overlapping buffs you can give out. You can give him plus three to, to charge and run uh, with a blood stoker nearby, which I always found really interesting to imagine this, you know, guy who's six foot tall whipping this dude who's on this giant dragon and kind of saying, go forward an extra three inches. It was something that never made sense Same. in my mind, but yeah, he's he's pretty great, old Archeon, because um, that also gives reroll wounds to you as well. So I think that's one thing that people fish for with the you know Slayer of Kings getting the double yep. six. Um, that's where we really see corn playoff or payoff rather for Archeon because uh, yep. he has access to all those things. Um, you can give him bronze flesh, so then the CP you're not wasting on a, a plus one save. You can give him plus one a hit or whatever it is that he needs. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot to play around with with Archeon. So I I didn't really want to go down that pathway, but I'd be stupid of me not to mention him. To, you can't you know, not. You can't not. But like, is... Archeon is his own faction reaction. Like, ultimately, he's just a law unto himself. But really? yeah, great in everything. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good, I think it's good to avoid the conversation, Absolutely. right? It is, yeah, because I, I, I just it'd be really upsetting to see Blades of Corn. The only reason why they're at the top is because of Archeon, um, which really, at the end of the day, that's probably what's going to happen. But um, it, I'd like to see people, you know, think outside the box. Scarbrand, um, he's another one that I wanted yep. to mention. Um, he's an interesting one because his scaling, uh, he it fights better when he's injured. Um, so he actually doesn't get the – there's no point in doing the, the Gur ability with him because he just goes back to being really trash. If you <laughs> make him fight at the top bracket, it's kind of like, no, don't do that at all. That's the worst mistake ever. He's a bit of a weird one in that space. But I think the heal on um, Scarbrand's fantastic. And obviously his mortal wound output and the rend, um, as I said earlier, that's a really important thing to consider. So um, I think he, he's got a bit of play. He's not super expensive. He's 380 points. So, you know – is he cheaper than Gotrek or is he more expensive than Gotrek in that, that sense? It's, well, I uh... think one of the things also about um, uh, Scarbrand that you can now do, yeah. not that you're going to, but if you did take a wizard, mm. you could make him fly now. And that's that's a bit of an advantage which he lacked previously. He would just be because he was landlocked, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yep, and he gets bogged down to you know your your birds that you brought yep. along, just to you know your, your eighty point or sixty point birds that you brought along. So he would get bogged down. But yeah, Scarbrand, I've never played with him. He's one that I've always wanted to try. I'm a bit Scarbrand curious, Ooh. so um, I'd like to see. Spicy. So it'd be nice to see uh, what he's like in this edition, actually. So I think that'd be good to see. Um, my final thing that I wanted to mention about yep. the winners uh, is Blood Tithe. I actually wanted to say Blood Tithe is a big winner in this okay. edition. Um, mainly because you've got a lot of people, uh, not forced to, but a lot of people will play into that MSU build. Um, you know, reinforcements is a really important thing yep. to consider on what you reinforce, um, which makes it more likely you're going to see a lot of units on the table, uh, which is great. For, for a corn player because you can get through those smaller units, get some blood tithe. I'll also be running smaller units, so I'm also giving out blood tithe. So uh, in the you know 
nine or so games that I've played close to 10, um, I have generated on average close to about 16 blood tithe per, per game. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not bad. And that's over me using them throughout different stages as well for summoning and also for, for mechanics. Um, I use the comet for the first time, the, the big brass comet that you can drop down on six blood tithe. Don't do that, Rob. Um, don't ever do that. I'll give you some advice. It it reads really well. <laughs> Read so well. I was like, oh, tell, okay, tell, tell like wow me with the reading wounds. of it. What does it do? <laughs> okay. So let me get it for you because I actually never use it. So I will yeah. read you this one. Oh, I'm excited. So I'm using um, six blood dice. Six units have died on the board to create this six. effect. Correct. Uh, the, a, Correct. A comet um, from Corn himself sent from the heavens. It is. It is a brass skull meteor. So it's a vast brass skull that comes crushing down to a blue raid all mm-hmm. in its path. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, this giant skull. All right. So you pick one unit anywhere on the battlefield. Great. Love it. That unit suffers D3 mortal yep. wounds. Cool. In addition, you roll a dice for each unit within eight of okay. that unit. And on a three yep. plus, yep, on a three plus, you do one mortal wound to those units. On a six, you do D3 to those units so you get to roll for you know if you're castled up having a great time drop that meteor should be some mortal wound splash damage i could not roll a three plus to save my (laughs) life when i did it um i think i did one mortal wound with the d3 that it landed and then i think i did one extra mortal wound to the splash damage and tim and i agreed that we would never do that again but you know that's why we do it's why we do these in practice games because I, you know, I might get a little bit curious at a tournament and say, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give this a go. Never again. Yeah. Uh, but but that's it, it was worth it in the end. But yeah, so Blood Tithe for me, I think, is a, a really big winner, mainly because of the mechanics behind the game and the fact that you will see smaller units and and more opportunity to get your Blood Tithe. Whereas before coming up against a lot of hordes. Uh, you know, wearing down, you, you probably not get a lot of blood tithe until end game, and by that point, your heroes aren't alive to summon, or there's no benefit from it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a big winner. Big yeah, I think winner. that's really interesting. The 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 push towards MSU creating more opportunity for you to generate blood tithe, I think is is pretty key. I also <laughs> like the idea that like something like that comet that you just talked about, like when you make it so that you charge in the hero phase or you, you know you do something like oh you do the extra move it's more of a definitive yes i've achieved x as opposed to like i do a Correct. bit of yeah. chip and it feels like the you've got a chance of doing this yeah yeah, yeah. whereas right. the corn army yeah. doesn't really seem to work by like doing a bit of chip damage here and there it's like i'm just you didn't gonna hit a thing or you're not gonna hit things so making yourself hit things feels more productive basically it does, yeah, and it, and it gets you to where you want to be because at the end of the day, average move on most of our units are five or eight because they really like the theme of eight, um, which was sure. great. You know, it makes me feel good as a narrative player. That's why when like um, when they know, re- they bring out the new uh, when they bring chest. out the new dark elves uh, with Malarian or whatever, I'm going to be like, they'll be like, mm. his magic number is eighteen. I'll be like, I'm buying it. I'm buying that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He casts everything. Yeah, on but if his magic team, number is like, four, okay, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, thank you. I'll pass on that. It's like uh, what Skaven Skaven players with thirteen. It's like just roll that thirteen on two dice. I dare you. I dare you. It's you know the old rules they used to have was yeah, a great it was time. Really fun. Yeah. Just, you just wait uh, before, before we get good. to the lists, which I know are going to encompass yep. some of these things you're about to talk about while looking at the lists, mm-hmm. could you just give me kind of like a, a top-down like units that you think like work really well in here? Like we've had a, a comment in the chat like Scar Bloodwrath. Like are they like that? What are the standout mm-hmm. units from 
corn as is? Like, if I was going to go buy, and like, what would you generally avoid as is at the moment? Yeah, I'd um, the only thing that I really would avoid is probably your blood letters. Um, I, I'm, I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, they used to be the big they bad um, when corn was was smashing the tables early early days. Um, they really used to be horrifying to play against, and you know all the stack, stacks of attacks and coming in and doing mortal wounds everywhere and rent and they were great um now they just really do not live up to that at all um they're they're probably the thing that i'd avoid flesh hounds are fantastic as an alternative battle line okay. um if you're wanting to lean into that demon side of things um flesh hounds are, are really good they have uh, the ability to unbind um which i i think's just their value goes through the roof for that because you're wanting to stop magic as much as possible. We don't have wizards. Uh, part of the coalition rules, we can't add wizards yep. at all. Um, you can still ally them in, um, but at the end of the day, it's it's meant to be corn running wizards is not the yep. way to go. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think... Flesh hounds are great, so they're your alternative to blood letters. Uh, blood reavers are great; they're cheap, so eighty points. Um, they went up by ten for from last edition, so they were seventy points previous. Uh, 10, 10 models, thirty-two mil bases. That's probably the biggest thing about corn. That's interesting is that everything is on thirty-two mils. Um, you're not lo- leaning into marauders anymore like you used to, because that used to be the alternative was run marauders instead of blood reavers, because they essentially filled the role but better. Um, whereas now all those people who converted corn marauders out of blood reavers will now have to go back to making him into blood reavers and putting him on 32 mils. <laughs> Sorry guys, but should have just gone being a purist like me from the start. That's there the way it should have been. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if, we're, if we're talking, you know, heroes wise, uh, you still want to lean into the slaughter priests. I think they're great. Um, even if you want to go the demon, demon side of things, bloodthirster one is, is really good to run with. Um, I find, um, and I, and I will talk about it with the list, but running it as your general, um, means you're denying a secondary at some point because you're either killing a monster or you're killing the general. So you, you can pick one or the other. And if you don't get it, then that that's even better with the, the five up after save that I usually run on that. So, so bloodthirsters are always good now. Um, I'd also look at your blood secreta for stacking attacks. Um, battle line, if you want to go min, you just go your three units of blood reavers and then that's your, your blood type as well there. Uh, if you want to go for something more effective, go for the flesh hounds. I lean into the Blood Warriors because they're the coolest models that were ever created and they just look like staunch badasses and that's the only reason why I run them. Um, they... We're an interesting change into AOS 3 because they now come in units of 10 instead of 5. Um, 210 points. I think they're actually not pointed too badly. Um, I used to complain about their points initially because they used to be 100 for 5. Um, and once you actually play with them because when they die, they get to pile in an attack. A lot of people forget that mechanic and it, and it makes them very valuable and they still do mortal wounds on a 6 from their mm. saves and a 4-up save, 2 wounds each. They're not too bad. Um, so it just depends if you want to go down like the armor side of things, then you kind of lean to the mortals. If you want to go down the hit hard and die quickly, then go down the demon side of things. I think that's kind of the best way to describe it's it. Interesting, if, it's in, if, if it's interesting actually, um, the, the difference between corn and a lot of the other factions. Now you've actually highlighted it for me, just listening to you mm. in that I was like, Oh, actually, mm. so if they're, if you can have them as battle line blood warriors, right? 
um, then you can obviously uh, take them as a 30. They've got four up save. I'm like, oh, cool, Mystic Shield mm-hmm. was where my brain went to first. And mm-hmm. that was like a 60 wounds with three mm-hmm. up save. But obviously you're not mm-hmm. putting a wizard mm-hmm. in your army. So you lose access. You Correct. lose access to that, and like, of course, you can do take cover, but then you're robbing yourself of CP. Mm. So there's a lot of people out there with four plus mm. save units that have banged a Mystic Shield on them, and they're in a much better place, like Chaos Warriors and Saves to Darkness. Whereas, mm. Mm. like, do you, do you think the lack of a wizard and just Mystic Shield is like a significant thing for for Corn? Uh, it is and it isn't, and I think that's probably where the Slaughter Priest debate comes back because um, you've got Bronze Flesh there as an ability where you can give plus one save. Um, so you do have that as a prayer. Um, it, it's one of those things where I I personally lean into Blood Warriors as a bit of a, a hammer unit, um, mainly because what I'm looking for there is weight of attacks and survivability. Um, so I actually look for a killing frenzy as a plus one, a hit and also a bronze flesh. So that means my CP is actually not being used for a plus one, a hit, or if it is for a plus one save, I'm getting that plus two. So denying a rent two ability from, you know, decimating my guys sort of thing. So there are ways to stack, but I think you're right. The wizard, it's one of those things where you kind of know what you're getting into from the start. I listened to Owen talk about OBR before. Um, I I know it was a couple of weeks ago, but it seems like it was only today I was listening to it. But uh, he was talking about what you've got to know what you're getting into when you pick your army with OBR. And I'd say the same with corn is that you're, you're not going down that, that spell path. So you've got to look where you can get your buffs from elsewhere. And the prayers are probably where you get that from as an alternative. Um, so that's where you might have to go an extra sort of priest to what you had before just to get, you know, a bless off or something like that, um, which is an interesting time there. So really at the end of the day, I would just, you know, a Scar Bloodwrath is a, is a great little dude to pop up every now and then. And he just keeps doing his thing and popping around and, you know, flailing his whips everywhere. The only thing that I've probably, uh, yeah, I'd just say bloodletters. Bloodletters are the ones that I avoid. And, and on that blood crushes as well. They're just not, what skull you know skull crushes are which sorry to those people that don't know what units are in corn because everything starts with blood <laughs> or skull um so <laughs> yeah it, it really is every time you know i try and explain units as i'm playing my opponent they go what's that is that skull what and they just start calling them something random i'm like yep that those guys there the guys with the cool demon weapons those guys with the cool whips that go, works that's way easier yeah. but yeah, no, it's a good question. I think the corn book um, has a lot to, to lean into, um, but find something that you love within the book um, because uh, Pat and I, Pat Nevin, that is, um, we were talking about it on Twitter the other day. Um, the article from Stormcast that just recently came out said, you know, that Bloodbound warriors only know how to charge in and you can stop them from doing that with some mortal wound, blah, 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 like standing on the objectives. I said, well, that's a bit of a spit in the face because I never make my charges to start off with. <laughs> and also, Good. who's running Bloodbound anymore apart from me? So that's, you know, and, and Pat. Pat's a big Bloodbound player. He leans into the Blood Reaver meta a bit. But, um, yeah, it's you're more likely to see the, the demon side of things and then yeah, you come up against a Seraphon with their Venusaurs that just do extra damage against you. It's great time. Love it. It's really good. It's Love really it. good. Uh, it's so, so, good. so talk it's to me about lists. What are we going to play in Age of Sigmar 3? What are we going to yeah. do? Um, do you want to do Demons sure. first? Because that's the one that I probably know yeah. least about. And I'll just kind of go along with it. Um, so, Demons. I had a little bit leaning into that question before about Bloodthirsters and whether or not they're worth going for. Um, 
this one here, my idea behind it was to kind of lean into two of the blood thirsters. So the one that gives the six inch piling, also the one that um, is a boom thurster as well. So that's your insensate rage. Uh, the unfettered fury is the guy that gives you the six inch piling. Um, so in reapers, you can get the double pile in there as well. Um, scar brand I put in just for the hell of it. Skull taker. I also put in there for the hell of it. And you've got the wrath of corn. So it actually was four bloodthirsters in the end, which I tried to go for with that list. Um, and three flesh hounds as well. Three flesh hound units just for the unbinds. Um, it, it's just kind of, I think this one would be good just to kind of go, here's my army on the table. I'm going to play around with learning the rules Here's some cool things. It's monsters. I can play around with that. However, that is also four points that you can potentially give up to your opponent. And this um, is, I, I think there's I've like a sweet spot, right? Because there's like four, like yeah. four giving up four. You're very unlikely to get four back for it. Whereas like one, Correct. there's like yes. I think there's three or four available um, to you to do with a monster. Yep. Um, but as soon as you like, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, so I yeah I'm with you I think four yeah seven. and it, it's one of those ones yeah you kind of like if you go your three runs at the you know first turn which most people usually do um, if you're doing that with three monsters that's cool but you're probably not getting them into combat which I don't know if that's a, a good use of bloodthirsters um, you want to try and get them in as soon as possible so that that's potentially one you want to do there but I also threw skull cannons in there because I had the points and it's the only shooting that corn has access to. Um, it is terrible shooting, but it's shooting nonetheless. Mm. So um, that was my thinking behind it. Give yourself plus one with the the battery. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of the list was designed. Here's your, you know those people that have all the bloodthirsters from um, their previous iterations of lists. Can I still run them? Here's my thinking behind it. You can still give it a go. You could easily turn those skull cannons into um, three more units of dogs if you want. So you know. You know, run thirty dogs on the table, and it's still a good time, and they'll they'll do what they need to. So. Yeah. Okay. That, that sounds fun. Honestly, sounds fun. Mm. Yeah, I think it'd just be a bit of fun. You know, pile in twice. Pile in twice for Scarbrand's a great time. So for a CP, um, he'll he'll do the damage, or with a Boom Thurster, you can kind of make your threats go out where they need to. You can run with Scarbrand if you want and pile in six, so he can be standing there and then come in with one Bloodthirster, blood come in with the Scarbrand, do what he needs to, or vice versa. So, yeah, that, that was the thinking behind that list is a bit of fun. Um, I think you could do, with Skulltaker, I saw Matt Campbell um, at the last Bruce Hammer. He, he was doing some great things with Skulltaker only because it's Matt Campbell and he knows Corn like the back of his hand and he's one of the best, best players that I know of. Um, for, for any faction really, but Corn in particular, he's he's played for a long time, and Skulltaker surprised a few people uh, when he was playing him. So you could lean into the you know buff attacks there with you know Blood Secretor or Wrathmonger nearby um, to to get him some extra attacks because he is rend one only rend one, which is a shame, but damage three on his weapon, which is pretty cool. So he can do some stuff there. Um, does mortal wounds as well on a six so if you wanted to try and get those sorts of buffs off so you could lean in either way but that was my thinking behind some blood first to spam basically which yeah could be a good time we'll no see. yeah no i think I it know. could be a I'll good time don't forget it. by the way if you guys listen to these lists i'm going to put them on the Westworld gamer website um which is where i'm going to put them so if you guys are just like oh where can i see these lists that's where they'll be so they'll be in the notes or just go yeah. onto the honestwargamer.com and then just search for the most recent lists to do with corn and they'll come up Exactly, which will be 
<laughs> maybe don't use them because that was the list that I just made up as a demon thing only because I thought what would be what would people want to see they want to see a demons list they want to see a mortals list and they want to see a list of how could I go potentially really well in in events so this was my next list that I had as an idea which was out of Gortite uh, so that was the mortal units um, reroll ones to wound holy within 12 it's kind of my go-to for corn. Um, only because you can get the best out of your Blood Warriors and Reavers by making them run six and charge, which is pretty nice for getting them where they need to. Um, so this was the Blood Secretor as the general because he's not too bad in Gortide. He gets the Hue the Foe, which is plus one damage, um, and his artifact is the Throne Baker's Talk, which is basically he gets a three up unrendable, can't be improved, can't be worsened, so it's just ethereal basically uh two slaughter priests there with bronze flesh killing friends so that's kind of my loadout for corn i always go to two priests um with killing frenzy and bronze flesh there is enough there to be said about taking a heal instead so you can actually run a heal with them um which is not too bad if you wanted to you know get the best out of two d3 heals uh per turn if you you rock that with the heroic ability i also threw bellicor in there um i was I've been kind of tossing up whether I take Bellacor or Archaon as a competitive list. Um, obviously, Archaon is fantastic, but he has a lot, a lot. of points. Um, he, he he takes a lot of points out of your army, and and what you're left with is a bit of a skeleton to not do much with. Um, if you're looking at Zinch, you can lean, lean into some um, horrors to kind of fill the table. Uh, you can Nurgle bit more tougher with your your plague bearers that sort of thing slanesh just don't even bother um but what you get is that terrible god anyway he's, he's the worst or they're, they're the yeah, worst sorry. so bellicor's there just as a option for what what i was thinking is if i came up against an archaeon what could i do and bellicor's yeah. your answer um he's the answer to gotrek he's the answer to marathi he's the answer to a lot of stuff he's even the answer to bellicor if he wants to be but it's that sort of thing of denying your opponent a turn or two of you know getting them to do what they want um plus he's a wizard so he can actually hand out the the plus one save through a mystic shield if he needs to um or a plus one to wound with his um inherent spell that he's got so he's pretty great 360 points um i, I think he's a bargain for that so for me he he, he basically replaces the bloodthirster in my my actual list that i've been running which i'll talk a little bit more about soon um so i've got 10 blood warriors there is the battle line two units of 10 blood reavers um, I threw in six mighty skull crushers there as well, um, only because I was talking about them before. There's your mortal wound output. There's your your save as well on a two plus, and then two units of five skull reapers for immune to battle shock because they are a fantastic unit. They always have been. Um, they went up by a lot in points. They used to be 170 for five. They're now 205. But I think they've been improved because of the immune to battle shock, which not a lot of armies get access to now, um, taking away the bonuses to bravery for having more than 10, all that sort of thing. I, I think um, immune to battle shocks a real strong ability in this, in this game. And so skull reapers are there simply for their bulk attacks, but also they do mortal wounds on a six in addition to their hits. So they, they can do quite a fair bit, which is nice. So skull reapers are a good That's time. Cool. I've also got, the Rathax and the Hexgorgeous Skulls in there as well. So they're the two invocations. So they've actually had a bit of a win. So I didn't talk about them before as a win. Um, so I'll quickly divert to explain those because I think they're, they're definitely worth talking about. So um, I'll go to the Rathax first. So it used to be quite a mortal wound output. It was a five up to be able to cast that on a, on a prayer, which was quite rare to be yep. able to get. And the way that endless prayers used to work is that they would go out 
And essentially, at the end of each turn or the end of the battle round, you would roll a dice and on a four plus, it would hang around. If you had a, a priest nearby, on a five or a six, um, it would stay on the table. Otherwise, it gets removed from play. So you couldn't rely on it to be yep. on the table. Um, and so what they actually did was they've changed that now in AOS 3 so that it only disappears once it procs, basically. So... Um, Sorry if I'm using gaming terms that people might not understand, but essentially your Wrath Axe flies across, it It moves eight, flies. Um, any unit that it passes over on a two plus does D3 mortal wounds to. When it lands, you pick a unit within three. On a two plus, it takes D3 mortal wounds. On a six, it's D6 wow. mortal wounds, and then it disappears. Wow. So it's quite a, a juicy axe. Um, it has changed since before because it used to be two plus flyover, when it lands on a two plus, it does D six. So it used to do quite a few mortal wounds, but didn't hang yeah. around. Um, and it used to hand out a neg one to hit as well, but that's disappeared. I actually think it's much better now. I prefer it as a staying on the table as a bit of a nuisance flying around. And if it goes off on a six and does D six mortal wounds, I'm not saddened by that at all, except when I roll a one for the mortal wounds. Yeah, and you're so, also not a long um, range army, so you're going to be getting in the mix anyway. No. So like, like it doesn't even matter True. that it's not necessarily long range. You could just put it like in the mix, right? Where you already are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something worth talking about with invocations as well. So that's the new word for endless prayers. Um, they only move in my hero phase. They can't be controlled by your opponent. And the only way you can get rid of them is with a, an opposing priest. Um, and you actually have to roll higher than their casting value. So you need a five or a six to get rid of them, which I think is quite incredible. So the, the axe is now four or more to be able to be yep. brought on. Um, and the skulls, this is my personal favorite against wizards. Um, so it is essentially, it's an invocation that's two skulls. They have to be six inches yep. apart or within six inches of each other. They move across eight, so they kind of float across the table ominously towards the wizards. Uh, they're neg two to cast for every wizard within yep. 12 of any of the skulls. And if you cast within eight of the skulls of any of them, uh, if you roll a natural eight, you instantly forget the spell and it's not cast, and you, every wizard within 12 of any of the skulls takes D6 mortal wounds. Wow. And then it's removed from yeah. play. So that is the only way it disappears is once it has done that. So it's pretty fun. I was playing Simon Hall a couple of weeks ago. I think he mentioned it on uh, the show with oh. you uh, when you are talking about cities. Um, he spent half the game running away with his phoenix that he had turned into a wizard with the tome because uh, the skulls just floated and followed him around the whole time. He was too afraid to roll that eight and cop D6 mortal wounds. He would have ignored it anyway on a four up, but it was a good time. Just he wanted to, to keep that spell because once you forget it, um, it, it really does throw... Uh, a bit of a, a spanner even into the, the minus there, which to i think is a fantastic invocation. it is yeah and, and that's where i think corn has a great ability because minus two you know i was playing against scragrot last night and he's plus two to cast under the moon um and he was just flat rolling i had the blood scrater within 16 blood scraters make you re-roll your cast if it's successful wow. um so you get a double chance of potentially rolling that eight as well um, it's great to watch your opponents kind of go, oh, do I want to do this? And you, you roll in the dice and every time that eight comes up, sure enough, Pat rolled an eight last night. It's a great time. He forgot Itchy Nuisance, I think it was, and then all the wizards blew up around it. So it was just like all these little goblins' heads exploded. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good invocation. I, I love that one. So How it, many points it is tends it now? to be those two end up in my list all the time. So it is... Um, it is 60 points for the skulls, which is yeah, quite cheap. That's great. Um, and 85 60, for the 60 points to, to, yeah. to generally 
like f- to the chance to fuck up your opponent, but to definitely um, like negate some of their casting, I think is is very valuable. Yeah. Mm, mm. So it's a good time. I uh, I played against Techless with them though, and I got really excited because I thought it reduced his casting value to because it's a ten, and I thought it reduced it to an eight, and I was like, he's gonna forget all his spells, and yeah, it didn't count. So it made me sad, sad in the sad in the face. But um, so that's my list with Bellacore because I think that's kind of. If you want to lean into playing against the God Hammer side of things, I think that's kind of your best option yeah. there. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. You know what you're getting into playing this game now. So there's, there's not much you can do there. But, but it, you know, it's it's always fun yeah, as definitely. well. I just got to find my list that I've been running for the last uh, two tournaments. And it's just gone from me. But I know what that, here it is. I know what it is anyway. All right. So. This is my list. So anyone out there in internet land, hate me if you like, but this is the one that I've I've always wanted to Get build. Ready for a um, I was talking to my Get mate. Ready. It was a good time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to change it after this. I'm 100% changing it after this. It's a good time. Just to really trigger some corn players. Um, Dave Dave Kerr and Tim and I were, were in a chat and a couple of months ago I said, I really want to – Tim actually started. He said, how can we make Bloodbound work? Dave flat out said, play Slaves to Darkness. It's been his go-to for the last, you know, yeah, he's been nine really months. Just lot, play Slaves he? to like Darkness. Like Night Empty Throne. Yeah. He has, yeah. Yeah, he's been crushing with it as well. So, and he's running Bellacore and Archeon together at the moment because yep. it's Dave. And yeah, anyway, shout out to Dave. Um, so, uh, I wanted to make them work. So, last edition, I've been building this army. So, I, I'm a bit stubborn. So, I'm trying to make this work, Rob. Um, I So far, it has in some cases and other cases I just get absolutely okay. pumped. So um, it's an interesting one. But Corgus Cull used to be in the list. Um, this wonderful chap here on the front cover, look at him. So he's so big, just, so he's brave. He's an absolute boss. Yeah. He's so brave. He's but, terrible. Oh no. Um, one of the worst worst character models you've ever seen in your life. Looks fantastic. Um, looks like he could do some cool things. You read his rules, you go, yeah, cool, he could remove a unit on a 5-plus with his axe, but he has three attacks at Ren 1, Death, HD 3, so <laughs> your chances of getting anything through in this edition, it's very slim. So, yeah, he's he's out of the list. So he used to be in there, he's gone now. So I've got a Bloodthirster of Insensate Rage for my Warlord, so that's the Boomthirster. Um, I'm taking Hold the Line as my grand strategy, and hopefully you'll be able to see why. Um, so basically, I've got the Bloodthirster there. He is my general. He is rocking the Amulet of Destiny. So as the general in um, Gortide, so it actually got clarified in the FAQ that you can take demons as your general, even though it's a, a meant to be a mortal sub-faction. Um, so he gets plus one damage from his axe there. So he's getting D6 plus one on his axe. Um, surprising that it actually is quite helpful because if you roll you know four ones for your damage it's still at least two so it's not as sad when you you do that but you know then you also roll four sixes and it's it's a great time and you add extra four damage to that and you see your <laughs> opponent cry it's, it's awesome has been done it's great uh two slaughter priests are in there again um blood secretors in there he's running the throne breakers talk uh and also, the Bloodstoker is in there now as well. So I've put the Whippy Boy in there. He's there for a reason, and that is for the next unit, which is my 20 Blood Warriors with Gore Axes and Gore Fists and two Gore Glaives. So 20 Blood Warriors, as you were saying before, Rob, about the idea of 40 yeah. wounds um, in a unit. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. It's a big footprint, 
Um, I, I run them ten wide, and it's it's intimidating to put on the table. They they are staunch models as well. So just putting them on the table, you see people kind of go, okay, that's, thirty-two that's mil bases as well, right? It's a lot there. of area. Yep, it is. So that they fill quite a lot. Not really as valuable now because you can only hold one objective with a unit, but it's mm -hmm. still a good time. Um, so that's what the whippy boy is for because basically with Gortides, you want to chuck the Gortide ability on them where they run six. The whippy boy gives them an extra three to that. Um, so they actually run nine and then they also get plus three to their charge. So they can run and charge on that. Um, if you get your buffs off of Killing Frenzy and Bronze Flesh, they're already at plus one to hit. So they hit on twos, wound on fours with rerolls from the Bloodstoker. And then they also uh, three plus save. And then you can just pop a CP and make them a two plus save for, uh, well, you know, plus two save if you're coming up against with anything high rend. Um, they they do the biz. Um, I, you know, we, we joked about all of the Arctic, articles coming out of Warhammer community um, with AOS 3 and the previews of all the, the mm. stuff coming out. Um, the corn one mentioned Blood Warriors and and I, I fist pumped in the air with my gore fist. I Let's was just go. Like, um, so it's a good time. To, I, I really enjoy the Blood Warriors and they're there simply for the hold the line um, grand strategy as well because if you want to put your resources into getting through 40 wounds on a three up, all the power to you and it has been done um they do die but they also do a fair amount of work in that time because if it's not a shooting army it's a combat army that you're up against they try and kill them in combat great thing about blood warriors is when they die they also pile in an attack so um before dying so they're actually getting some value from yeah, that you're as well also, you're, you're also um, yeah you're also like you say fighting back when you die right like so that's something that put your opponent has to think through yeah. when they're going to go and attack them correct yeah and, you know, if they go in with weight of dice as well, um, if you're on a three plus save um, and they don't have any rend, you, you go in with a three plus and every six that you save is a mortal wound back to them as well. So that's a, a really valuable thing that I learned from playing Daughters of Cain. Um, so I think after playing Daughters for a bit and seeing the splash damage back with the mortal wounds, I saw the value in that. And that's why I think um, Blood Warriors aren't pointed as badly as what they come across as. That is 420 points. Um, you know, 420, that's good. Perfect. So for, for 20 Blood Warriors, it Just always has to be that. I'm, I yeah. think that's why Blood Blaze. <laughs> I love it. Blood Blaze. Yeah, that's good. Uh, then I've got the two Blood Reavers units. I'm actually running um, axes with them. So just for Rend, uh, I mean, there's... It's not really worth Ren 1 anymore, but they're just cool models, and I had them like that before. Uh, then I run the two units of five Skull Reapers again. I really like Skull Reapers for just getting onto objectives and just clearing off whatever they need. Um, if you come up against anything with five or more models, you're getting reroll hits, um, so you can just fish for those mortal wounds if you come up against um, Stormcast. If you come up against anything with a low armor save, you're just kind of hitting on threes the whole time and just keep fishing. It, it's yeah. a great time. Um I then run five Wrathmongers as well um, for an extra attack. They're basically there to either babysit the Skull Reapers and give them an extra attack each or babysit the Blood Warriors and give them an extra attack. And then obviously with the Bloods secreted nearby, you're getting an extra attack there. So Blood Warriors can go in with four attacks each. Skull Reapers can go in with six attacks each, which That's is great. pretty great um, from five. Yeah, so, you know, 30 attacks that are getting reroll hits most of the time. Um, you, you're doing a lot of damage with Skull Reapers, so they're, they're a good time. And then, obviously, the Skulls and Wrath Axe are in there. I do run the Warlord Battalion, only so I can put the Amulet of Destiny on the mm -hmm. Bloodthirster, um, because I found he has actually stayed around a lot longer than what I've expected. Uh, I played at Simon's event a couple of weeks ago, came up against Marathi in 15 
um, snakes, which was always going to be a horrible time. Um, It is, it is. But with the uh, blood tither, managed to move 20 inches across the table, kill nine of the snakes uh, in combat, do the splash damage with the mortal wounds onto Marathi and some more mortal wounds. And it was essentially the only model left at the end of turn five. Um, Marathi did end up kidding, killing him, but it was just a, we had a great time. I was playing Scott, who's the nicest dude, but we were having a great Scott time. Wyatt, kind of saying, Scott. Is this bloodthirster going to survive? Yeah. It was Scott White. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, um, you know, we're, we're talking about whether or not the bloodthirster could survive this ridiculousness. Cause I was just giving him a three plus save and, you know, Marathi's only ran one yeah. now. So she was, you know, trying to come in and she just couldn't get the wounds in on him and then the snakes were the only things doing damage and it was a great time it, it you know he ended up being 28 22 win to him but as i said that's why i love this edition because you've got that that um ability to kill, still and, and up also I, so would, I would put i would put the corn versus marathi bow snakes list in in, in favor of corn a hundred not sorry in favor of Mar- the marathi bow snakes a hundred percent of yeah. the time yeah. so even being that close yeah. you've got to be happy with that Oh, it, it was, and it was such a good time. We were, you know, we were talking about. I could see that splash damage from the mortals um, with the the boom fest was really actually giving Scott a choice because he had to then bring Marathi across to try and clear it off because the snakes were dying to mortal wounds. Marathi was still taking mortal wounds, so it was a really nice little um, play. It, it doesn't happen all the time, um, and and there is a lot that I've learnt from this list, which is pretty much. Get that bloodthirster in early because anything with shooting is just going to clear it off regardless. Um, and you, you want to try and get the best out of him because he's 280 points, so he's quite cheap. Um, and I know Vince talked about that in the Slanesh episode to say they are cheap enough that at the end of the day, you can say there's no problem running them because you can still get hopefully 280 points yeah. out of him in return. Um, and with the five up after save, he's hanging around a lot longer with the heel. Um, you know, coming in and, and just clearing thing off with Ren 2 damage D6 plus 1, he, he's he's a good time. So, yeah, I, I'm loving him at awesome. the moment. Mm. So, yeah, that, so that's the list. It's um, it's it's hot and cold. Um, I've come up against some really rough matches and it's still been good to play with them. Um, I've got dogs in my, my army for summoning, so I literally just try and summon dogs for three points three blood tithe you get five dogs six ten dogs so it's it's a good trade-off because you can then get extra unbinds as well if you slaughter priests are dead so yeah they're it's a good time i'm really enjoying the corn at the moment they're they're really exciting i'm I'm hey that's great news that's great news this has been brilliant Mm. it's again like you said like i think one of the interesting things like we said at the start of the show is it's really there's no way but up um uh for the book and mm. and i think someone earlier on the show said mm. well like if everyone's got better then like what's the difference and it's like oh, i think like like just like that then like you said like th- there's been some utility added to armies but some armies already had utility mm. for the armies that were missing utility uh like the bloodthirster as an example you actually your armies ended up mm. getting better percentage wise than the other armies who already had access, had access to those things so it sounds mm. sounds exciting mm. Yeah, and, and I think the thing is, is that when you look at the fact that we have, um, you know, like you can't double up on your command abilities anymore. So you can't just, you know, boost everything and make a Death Star. But with Corn, you can still do it because you're, you know, b- boosting things with prayers. And then you've got abilities that are added on. It's not a command ability. So, you know, like the Bloodstoker is, uh, his whip is just if you're holy within eight, you're getting plus three, you know, you just whip to fury plus three to run and charge and reroll wounds. And that's it. The reroll wounds is unreal in this edition. Now, as I said, taking away 
re-rolls on a lot of things. Um, it, it shows when you have that ability that it, it's a really nice buff there. So, yeah, um, I, look, you're not going to go 5-0 and at, at an event with Corn unless you just play through your, you know, if you, you're just playing 40 chess with yourself and you're thinking ahead and being able to do all these amazing things. But what I will say is, is that you can get lucky and, and you can go four and one and, and really, you know, I'd love to see some corn players at the top. Um, I think the more I play this list, the more I'm learning the, you know, smaller things of the game, like redeploy and the, the value that, that adds and then other things as well. So, you know, it's, it's a great time, but yeah, that, that's me. That, that's corn. That's easy. Run forward, kill your opponent. I mean, yeah, as it ever was. As it ever was. Hope they don't redeploy. Uh, <laughs> the answer. Yeah, Use that CP. Use it, oh dear. Uh, all right. Well, Gabby, it's been lovely talking to you. So those lists I'm going to put on the OSWargamer.com or Gabby will. And either way, uh, I'm going to put them in the show notes. Uh, I'm also going to put a link to the podcast that Gammy's on uh, with the guys over in Queensland because you should totally listen to that. They're a wonderful group of people, and Queensland's on my like on my list. Uh, either the Runak Team Championships or any of the events that they have over there um, is going to be uh, on my like go list. Uh, like rather than the LVO, like the, the, like that's like that's oh, like a yes. like a, a yeah. big shout for me. Um, so. And we'd we'd happily have you back, Rob. Oh, we'd happily love to. have you back love to. here. It's just yeah, eventually yeah, it's one day. Be good. One so day. thanks to you, Gammy. And if you guys have been listening to this uh, first time ever, obviously this is a it, also a podcast you can listen to. It's live on Twitch, and I'm live on Twitch uh, Monday through to Friday, and also Tuesdays, th- Mondays, and Thursday evenings. Um, and you can uh, yeah watch it back on Twitch or watch it on YouTube or wherever. Uh, so you should do that. And there are also loads of other faction reactions to so go listen to as well. Thanks, Gammy. Uh, you got any shout outs before we head out today? Yeah, I do. Um, I'm going to shout out the original Mango Mafia Big Dicks. That is Dave Kerr. That is Al, Al Webster, David Keegan, Tim McDivitt, and me. So, And then also, I'll shout out Gabe. Why not? Gabe, you can have a shout out just because he'll yell at me in the podcast next. He always yells, though. So he's, <laughs> he's not, right. everyone. It's um, an in-joke. He's an in-joke. He's is an actual <laughs> angel like he is genuinely one of the nicest people so yeah uh, that's probably gonna shoot us in the foot um i better shout out arthur as well um never met the guy but i assume he is an absolute legend always gotta um, shout out arthur. mainly because yeah. everyone 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 shouts out so uh, i'll shout out jacob as well because i love that guy and i, I want to meet him in person jacob Barry, one day so wonderful person awesome. uh, uh yeah <laughs> i yeah. shout out dave in the chat uh love you dave loads and loads um uh, i would like some more cookies yeah. one day not cookies brownies one day that'd be great um uh, and uh thanks everyone for tuning in live uh, i don't think i'm live tomorrow so fuck you is what i'm gonna say hey day, day off. off day off 502 yes. mr 502 <laughs> is what they call me uh, <laughs> uh but i'll be back monday with the age of sigma stat center you guys should check that out that uh, we do have some events ca- cracking off all around the country and the world this weekend and then monday night i'll be back for the age of sigma show so it's going to be super fun uh loads of love uh, have a nice day and we'll see you guys soon bye